Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. <laughs> All right, so today we are very excited because we have fun guests. <laughs> we, um, just recently, a few weeks ago, uh, by the time this airs, I got to participate, we got to participate with Emily Barnett in doing a flash fiction magic contest, the first ever flash fiction magic contest, which was super fun. And at the end of that, we came out with a winner and a runner up and the reader's choice. And so we are going to talk today with each of them and just share a little bit about the pieces they submitted and their work and just get to know them a little bit. So now we have Amber Kirkpatrick with us today, and she is going to read the piece she submitted for Flash Fiction Magic, and then we are going to talk about it a little bit. So take it away, Amber. A hidden dell along a riverbank, dappled with sunlight, a sweet summer's day, secret vows in an old church. I know we will always find each other, Liebe. She stumbled over the word he had taught her, sweetheart. Lover, keep the faith. The world is going to hell. You keep the faith. I'll keep you, he murmured, pulling her body closer to his. It was their stolen moment of happiness, warm together. Now Mila Hirsch was shivering and bleeding, holding her newborn against her breast, praying the babe would remain silent. She could hear the screams down the streets of the Krakow ghetto, Shots fired, soldiers marching in rhythm ever closer. She staggered to her feet, grasping a towel between her legs to prevent a trail of blood and crept to the secret compartment. Mila's hands shook as the door shut with a sharp click. The sound was infinitesimal, but an earthquake in her ears. The sound could be heard for miles. Time slid past. Soldiers searched her floor, but she remained hidden. Fatigued and body aching with the aftershocks of labor, she dozed fitfully. The door opened with a crash. Blue eyes, ice cold. Bamila had seen those same eyes, warm with love, looking into her own in another time and place. When the heat of summer had overwhelmed Mila, bringing her to the still waters of the river's edge for a sacred tryst. The frigid eyes flickered, dropping to the baby and coming back to her stunned gaze. A flash of understanding, a remembrance of summer fire. Leva, he whispered, relief gentling his expression. Mila only nodded, frantic with a desperate need to hold both her Nazi husband and their son together in her arms. He moved as if to kiss her, but held himself back emotion shuddering through his body. Instead, he put a trembling finger to his lips and gently closed the door upon her. Keep the faith, my love, she whispered. Keep the faith. So Amber was our Reader's Choice winner, and we were super happy about that. Because I love this story. And also, wow, you did a great job reading. Yes. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> One of the things that I really love about this is just how it's like so emotional and so dramatic and we get so much, such varied emotion throughout it, really. Like we see this very sweet, tender moment and then this really like fearful, traumatic moment. I mean, I can't even imagine like giving birth and then having to hide like, and then this like very intense moment where you really, truly paint a picture for us where we don't know what he's going to choose and if he's going to turn her in or not. And, and that creates such great tension in the reader. So I just, I love that. I love the way it circles back and you repeat the, the end line from the, what was at the beginning and, and just also how much we get about these, like there aren't really very many lines of dialogue, but we also get a lot about these characters in those little bits of dialogue, like his kind of the world is going to hell and you keep the faith, I'll keep you. Like, it just tells us so much about who this character is and yeah it's just a really lovely story Amber and I'm so glad that you shared it with us well thank you it was very 
fun to write. It's a little different from things I've tried in the past. So it was fun. It was a fun experiment to play with, especially building that tension. Uh, I haven't written quite like that before. I think what I like too is that it was really two different scenes and usually that can be too much for flash fiction. Like usually they're like, just stay in one scene um, and just kind of focus there. Don't do any like flash forwards or, you know, flashbacks or anything, but you did it so well that it didn't even feel like two scenes, you know, like it was so weaved together. I think that's really cool. So I really like that. And, and like what Bethany was saying that it, tying that phrase together that keep the faith, like really, it was just a cool mirror of like them before and then them after, so. Well, I, I brought the, the river back to, back into her memory, I think also helped, you know, link those two scenes together. Yeah, for sure. And it almost felt like a snapshot. Like it wasn't like a full scene. It was like the snapshot of a moment. I loved how, like the revisiting of that moment, that kind of captured, boiled down moment of where they were in comparison to where they are. It was beautiful in that you don't know what all they've been through to get to this point in time. And so it also brings that uncertainty of what has time done to them. And his eyes, I love the comparison of the coldness with the warmth, because when you get that, you don't know if it's a is it a description of the color? Is it a description of how he is in the moment? And it gives, it like adds to that tension of what is he going to do in this moment that I loved. And may I say the use of click and crash, like, especially since it's all about that sound as, as she hears it in her head so loud. I love that. And I think added to kind of the visceral language, it makes, it makes me feel very present within the moment of the story. Well, I sort of pulled from anybody who's had a baby knows the lightest freak can be an earthquake and wake the baby up. So that's kind of what I was playing, that idea that to, to her, she's trying to be silent, but she's terrified. And so even the quiet seemed huge to her in that moment. <laughs> Love that. Laura, I love that you mentioned that visceralness and the snapshot thing. Like we get a lot of these like short sentences, um, these little pictures, and yet all of those are, they're so visceral and they're so, they give us so much in so few words. And it just really, it creates an almost poetic narrative feel that I really love. So Amber, you mentioned that this is different for you or different from what you normally write. So would you just share with us a little bit about what you typically write and kind of the genres you typically write in? Well, I mean, mainly it was different because of the level of tension. I beta read a, a suspense thriller. And so I think that was sticking with me in that moment. And so I think I was just kind of running off those vibes. It was a fantastic read that I had. And so, yeah, the, the the tension was just different. I mean, it was similar. Well, at least two of you know, I, I love my third person driven. That That is always at the heart of anything that I write are the characters, which is why I always end up wanting to turn even a short story into a book because I want to dive into those characters more. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, it was just different from the tension. And it was also much tighter. I I have I normally ramble a bit more in my writing. And so because of the word count, it really forced a tightness that is not typical of me. And I was really pleased with the results of it. I mean, Emily knows I was so excited about this piece. I mean, she didn't know about it, but I was like, I can't wait for you to read this. But it felt really good to me as a writer, you know, <laughs> so, and he reads my flash fiction. And so I couldn't show it to her. And I was like, Ugh. And that was actually a comment that someone made that it's a lot of story that you get for the number of words. And it felt like that. There's so much there. And I could see how you could take it and write a full oh, novel yeah. about it. There's so much meat there to kind of explore and go into. I agree. That's one of the things I love about doing flash fiction is that it does force you to boil things down. And, and I think it does make your writing stronger often, kind of keeps us on track or teaches us to kind of stay on track. <laughs> Amber, so I'm curious to know 
a little bit about your experience with this contest and your experience with flash fiction in general and kind of what was the the hardest part about that and the best part about that well okay so i haven't done that much flash fiction which is kind of part of the funny thing of it i get very with the prompts and so i mean and this goes for short story submissions or anything i feel like i really struggle to come up with an idea and so often by the time i have an idea I don't have the time to write it, or if I do, I can't refine it and make it really good. So this was wonderful because, so, well, I had actually told some friends, I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it now. I don't do flash fiction. But then I had the idea and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> Originally, I will say too, my original idea was much darker. It was, it was, it, there was no romance originally. It was started with her having the baby and I ended it with the gun coming up to her head and went to black. <laughs> oh, that is dark and intense. <laughs> but it was one of those classic things where your characters talk to you because I was like writing like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it's like he raises the gun and it's like he turned and looked at me. He saw that I love her. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK, hold on. <laughs> and so then then the romance just kind of evolved from that point. So, no, I mean. As long as I can think of an idea for flash fiction, I really enjoy it, but so often I don't. So this was so, because I came up with the idea like two weeks, two, three weeks beforehand. And flash fiction is so fun to edit because it's so fast. I mean, I just pulled it, read it through, made a little fix and then put it away. You know, and I just did that every day until I had it right. You know, So, so yeah, this, this was an unusually fun piece to write for flash fiction. I love that. Well, and I love that the idea came and then it developed over time. I think that's just, you know, that's beautiful how it kind of blossomed into something else, even though you had that nugget of an idea up front. I know that uh, you had mentioned on your Instagram that you do heart-centered stories and I, it's definitely present in this short story. Do you want to talk though about some of your other work that you're working on, some of your other writing? I, I believe that uh, you had a post about some of the things that you're working on for the the one for the anthology and then your book. Yeah, so uh, I got my first anthology with Tony Hills, one of Anne's uh, anthologies, um, The Valentines coming up. And it was it's a short, actually a flash fiction piece as well. Um, no, I'm very excited because I have my first book hopefully, um, early next year. It's what I'm aiming for. And uh, it's, it's, what's the opposite of a epic fantasy? A light fantasy? Yeah, I would call, say the opposite would be light fantasy. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, Emily's read it. Well, she read it pre- It's kind of an epic fantasy, but more character focused, I would say. Yeah, no magic. Sure. Yeah, it's a it's a coming of age story. Um, it you know it. I really love everyone who reads my post on Instagram knows. I love showing father son or brother relationships. Those are like my my favorite thing. And this book is like that's what it is mm-hmm. um, about this very very family and just kind of it, it, like I said it's a coming of age story for the main character and there's a romance and you know the usual torture and drama <laughs> yes there is <laughs> so good though I get the beta read it but so the original idea came to me as a teenager and it's just sort of been my little escape work over the years and so it's just developed and so it really has been a passion project for me and uh, I just got the edits back. So I'll be working on that phase. And then I am, I just finished my now third draft (laughs) of sort of a sci-fi romance that I really, I really like. Um, It's very, very different for me. It's, um, it was kind of an unexpected gift. Again, it started as a short story that actually got rejected and which I was glad because as I was submitting it, I was like, I kind of want to make this bigger. And it was rejected for a good reason. I didn't have time to polish it, but so I was like, okay, now it's a book. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm working on that. And, uh, 
it's kind of inspired by X-Men a little bit. Mm. Uh, it started as a side with a romance and now it's more of a romance with some sci-fi. So nice. <laughs> I dived into the romance with this one and I am just madly in love with my main male character. He's just, he's this burnt cinnamon roll, you know, with a, with a coffee addiction, but, um, but you know, that hard gold underneath and I just, I, I love him. <laughs> I think that sounds the- wonderful. <laughs> I <Yeah. wonder. laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> I love hearing that. I love hearing when someone has had a story that in their hands and their heart and in their bones for that long and to just see it coming to fruition. Like that's so exciting. Congratulations about, yeah, being that close to, to the end and to putting it out in the world. I can't wait to read your fantasy. And, and mm-hmm. I also love hearing about authors trying different genres. Like, I just think it's awesome you know, like we're kind of told not to genre hop and we're told to kind of like stick in our lane and all that. But I, I think that it's so beneficial for your writing to experiment with different things and it just helps you grow overall. So I love hearing that, that you've done a fantasy and are now trying a sci-fi and just, yeah, experimenting like that. Well, and I just, again, Emily's read it. <laughs> Emily's read everything. Um, I just did this really wacky short piece that was a very it was an homage to Douglas Adams and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy not the humor I I can't tap into that wacky humor very often but when I do I really enjoy it and I just wrote this piece on a whim again for another story submission and (laughs) I don't know how anyone else would feel about it but I just cracked myself up the whole time I was writing it (laughs) I thought I thought it was hilarious so that's how I feel about it. <laughs> that sounds very intriguing, definitely. <laughs> I, I'm all for at this stage. I, I mean, I'm very much a baby writer, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. And I, I'm really enjoying trying different things right now. What's the point if we don't have fun with it? That's the beauty of flash fiction, too. Is that, like you were saying, like you got to experiment with something different, and that can always lead to something else bigger. But you don't have to start a whole new book. Um, in a genre you don't know if it, um, if you don't want to, you can just write a little piece and then see, is that something that I would enjoy writing? And yeah, it's great. So at, at this point, what are you most excited about in your writing or your reading life? Like what is sparking your curiosity or your enthusiasm? I've been doing a ton of beta reading. She just beta read for me. And it was awesome. Uh, the feedback was so good. I, I really, I really love it. Yeah, I, I did it for Beth, and, and then, um, like I said, I did this, um, Brittany Eden, she did the suspense thriller. I don't know if any of you know Brittany, but it, I just, it's fun because you get caught up in these different genres that you might not normally pick up on your own. I am a voracious rereader. What's mm-hmm. fun, I actually have to really talk myself into reading a new book. <laughs> I reread because it's comforting. I know it's going to happen. Um so this it, it's kind of for me wild and crazy to be beta reading and sometimes I don't even really know what's coming but it's been a lot of fun because I will I will read almost any genre I, I don't hold back I've always been that way and so um it's just it's just been fun and I learn I learn by reading other people's writing oh and I love the connections you know that come with beta reading because yeah really fun to talk to other authors about the choices they made and why and like I said it's a learning process but I love the camaraderie the bonding that comes from that especially if you're both writers it's just builds up a friendship that might not come as easily if you if you hadn't read each other's work as far as writing like I said just I'm having a lot of fun right now experimenting with different things. And I am going to make an effort to do more flash fiction. You know, <laughs> I actually just finished my piece for tomorrow before getting on here. So. Um, I love what you said about beta reading. I just, I think that's such great. It's so true. <laughs> like all of my closest writing friends started as people who beta read for me or who I beta read for. It's such a great way to just make connections and to and to learn. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like you just learn so much by seeing the, the strengths that other people and things they do and, and the weaknesses too, and talking through those and kind of what those choices were and why. And it's a great way to learn. 
this has been a just such a joy and such a pleasure to hear you read your work, especially like giving it that added meaning. I got chills when you were reading it. (laughs) Like I'd already read it like three times. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And different words kind of came out even as you're reading them. Like they hit differently. I loved that. It's the theater major in me. You You could feel that like that (laughs) came across totally. Well, thank you so much for participating in the Flash Fiction Magic Contest. Amber and for joining us and just congratulations again. Um, we wish you all the best in your writing and cannot wait to read your work and to, to keep seeing all the, the things you write and put out in the world. We have Andrea Zlotsky with us and Andrea was our runner up choice and a very close runner up at that. <laughs> Emily and I definitely debated for a while. So we're super excited to have her on to read her work for you and the, the piece that she submitted for the contest and to talk about that and to just find out a little more about um, your work and to what you're doing in, in your writing. So thanks for being here, Andrea. Yeah, no problem. It's exciting. Yeah. All right. So you want to go ahead and read for us? Third thing. Crimson Fields. It was a small snap, but Cleo knew the sound could be heard for miles. Her breath caught as nauseating dread pinned her down. She peered past her rouge-stained boots. A broken pearlwood branch gleamed in the starlight. Panic seizing her, Cleo fell to her knees in the crimson feral field. She prayed that the heavy heads, like burrow's tails dipped in blood, would conceal her from the keen eyes of the watch. Ahead, a twisted barrier of granite and thorns loomed out of an indigo sky. Cleo's pulse drummed as she scanned where the wall sank into the ruby fields. So close. A fool's hope had led her here, a mere whisper in the lowlands of a chink in the emperor's armor, and she was desperate enough to believe it. She carefully adjusted the bundle secured to her torso, then moved on hands and knees through the rows. The rich crop painted her arms, her neck, her face. She cringed. The color would cling to her skin for months. It was a long while before she found the courage to stand. The wall was even more intimidating up close, and it was impenetrable. She stifled a sob. Halt! A blade point shot chills across her back. She wrapped her arms around her chest. Turn around, the voice commanded. Terrified, Cleo obeyed. A red-clothed guard studied her stained face. Please, she whispered. The watcher's sword dipped to the bulge beneath her arms. A mewling cry emanated from the folds of fabric. He blinked in surprise. For my daughter's sake. His weathered features flickered with indecision before his blade fell. Let me show you the way. Astonished, Cleo followed the watcher to a cleverly concealed fissure in the wall, where roots zigzagged upwards between jagged ledges of rock. She climbed, staining the roots red like others before her. At the top, she paused for breath and glanced down. There was only a crimson sea fading into a star-studded sky. Her rescuer, the chink in the emperor's armor, was gone. Tears like drops of blood fell from her cheeks. They were free. Some of the things that I just really love in this piece is how clear the character's motivation is. Like we get such a clear sense of what she wants. And even though we don't know the full extent of the danger, we understand that it is not good for her to get caught out there. And we understand what's at stake. I think you do just a great job in so, so few words to give us that desire, that motivation, the stakes of the piece, and then to give us a clear arc from the beginning where we get that desire all the way through to a handful of complications in that desire, um, mm-hmm. a handful of things that kind of barriers to that desire, and then to that desire's completion and that successful escape essentially and and I think that's really hard to give a full arc in a flash fiction piece so I'm always really impressed when people can do that when they can create almost a full plot in just a few words and so you did a really incredible job with that thank you (laughs) I really loved your world building as well I think just the red field itself I mean you had names for plants and stuff like obviously it just felt like a really well-formed world that 
you don't always get in flash fiction because people don't take the time to do that, but it made it feel alive. It made it feel real. Um, and also like just how, like the things you chose to talk about in your world, I think made the story stronger. Like the red field staining her, her, you know, tears dropping like blood, like all of that symbolism, all of that um, just detail really made it stronger and more dramatic. So I thought those were really wise choices. I really love bold symbolism. Yeah. So it was just a good chance to put that in there. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I do. I love it too. So I was drawn to that. I love how in the body it is. Like you get the sense of desperation from the all the different description of what's going through. She's it was pinned her down, the nauseated dread, like you feel it as she feels it. And I think it gave this closeness to the story and that that desperation helped with the tension, obviously the Mm -hmm. revealing of information, but you were so grounded in how she felt through that. The branch when there's a, I think it's the starlight on it, the gleamed in the starlight. I love how the starlight kind of takes on two different meanings. Like the starlight could get her caught. It's the thing that like shines on the branch Mm -hmm. and that sound could get her caught. But then at the end, the starlight comes back. It's that star studded sky when she's free Mm -hmm. and you get that distance of the red has kind of disappeared, the, the blood and the danger. And she's able to actually sit and kind of enjoy that and the freedom. And I I loved how it brought it back again. I mean, there's multiple things of mirroring um, with the blood of the tears and the watcher and the chink, the emperor's, um, the chink and the emperor's armor. But I love the stars, like how it came back and they almost take on a different feel because she's in a different place as well. Yeah, I hadn't even picked up on that, Laura. So it's always so fun to hear like what other people. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) I love when that happens. You're like surprised what people find. (laughs) I am that brilliant, yes. (laughs) But I think sometimes intuitively, like we do a thing and we don't know what it creates, but it comes from us. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I love the reveal of the baby too. I like that you didn't start with that and it like she we were already tense for her and then when you reveal that like what halfway through or something or even later it's like another layer of tension so I've heard a couple of agents talk about how you need to make your stakes really clear at the beginning of the book but you have to increase those stakes throughout the story and I feel like this did that really well like we had the stakes at the beginning, but then you, inc- like when you reveal the baby, you increase the stakes, kind of, I mean, exponentially, like it's now we're, we're not just concerned about her, we're concerned about this child. And I think that was a great way to just like increase that tension. I think it's also great that it's the watcher who finds the baby because mm. like all of a sudden we, our terror like jumps at that moment. And then there's almost that, like the knife is there. So you're like, oh, like there's just that added like cringe factor and kind of horror of the experience. Yeah. And great imagery. Even hearing you read it again, I was like, there's so much, like I can see red in this whole piece and yet it doesn't feel repetitive in your, like maybe some of that is your word choice and the ways that you describe um, things either being like blood or crimson or red like you get kind of different ways of describing it but I don't know like I felt like I could see it with this like red lens over the whole thing I just love that I'm so glad I'm glad when things actually come across the way they are in your mind that's really really hard to communicate so yes so I'm curious to know a little bit like clearly this has kind of a fantasy feel is that your typical genre that you write in or Do you um, explore a little outside of that? What do you usually write? So it is pretty typical. I really like fantasy because I feel like it disarms you. You just feel like Mm. this is a different world. It has nothing to do with me. I'm at ease and I'm just kind of absorbing. And then you're like, whoa, this actually has application to me. And you're kind of taken off guard. Mm. So I really like that. And it's also an escape for me to just, okay, I'm going to think about a different world. And it's just fun to add in maybe images that I've seen in our world, (laughs) our world, (laughs) Um, images that I have seen and try to put them into a different place. Like, I just love that because I feel like then people can really 
just grasp it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense. That totally makes sense. I think you can absolutely relate to a work in a different way when it's taken out of your normal context. If I feel, if I hear a story that's set in somewhere that I know and a detail is wrong, I'm just like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't do this. Like, I know that's wrong. <laughs> so fantasy kind of, you're in control, right? You can yes. <laughs> That was one of the biggest reasons that I like writing fantasy too. I don't have to research stuff as much. I can just write it how I want. Yeah. And Andrea, what I would love to hear about kind of your experience with the contest itself and what was hardest part for you? What was the best part for you? What did you get out of it? The contest was really difficult. I was not going to submit. I just thought like, no way. That is way out of my comfort zone. You have no good ideas. And then the chat group started blowing up about it. And I'm like, just, just ignore it. You can't do this. And the way I write works is I'll just like, I'm not even thinking about it. And the idea is there and I have to write it. So um, that was how I ended up writing it in the first place to say nothing about having to try to pare it down into 350 words. I can't tell you how many like adjectives I removed. (laughs) That was a really good growing experience. But then submitting it and having it be anonymous and then seeing all of these other amazing stories come through. I went through just roller coasters of of emotion, like, do I fit in here? Mm. (laughs) Can my work stand on its own feet? Is it able, are people able to interpret what I meant by this? Yeah. Yeah. And what I was not expecting to gain from this whole thing was actually a community of friends. (laughs) So that was really, really encouraging. And I also think that it helped me grow in confidence to just write the way I want to write and not try to form it to someone else's style. I learned a lot from this. I really did. (laughs) I love all of that. It's relatable. Incredibly emotional. (laughs) I just felt like I just wanted to cry. Like, oh, and I didn't just want to, I did. Like (laughs) it was very meaningful and a new experience my first real experience out kind of in the world with my writing that wasn't a classroom and it wasn't my parents <laughs> it wasn't my husband and that's so brave to put yourself out there and to to recognize that you know even without trying the idea was there and it wanted to be made <laughs> and i think sometimes even just going through that that first process of putting it out there and being like is this any good like asking yourself that question and it's super brave and we're so glad you did Um, we're so glad that we got to read your words and interact with them um, because they they did connect they did they absolutely did thank you I didn't realize that this was one of your first time putting your work out publicly or that like that publicly that's huge like that is so terrifying and such a roller coaster and so so hard I, I mean I have quite a bit of experience with that now, and I still feel like I have vulnerability hangover afterwards. So way to go. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Do you mind if we talk some about your current writing and um, the things that you're working on? I stalked your Instagram. So I I saw this um, thing that you put up that says um, post tenebris uh, lux, and it's light after darkness. And one, I, I love that in relation to this short story, but um, I'm intrigued by how that plays into your work and if you can chat about it. So I'm currently, I'm drafting, well, okay, it wouldn't be the first novel I've tried to draft, but this is the first one that I really felt was meaningful to me. Like that whole light after darkness is a theme in it. And maybe it was born because of the last few years we've had that it felt really, really dark, but I just, what I want to do with my writing is to bring more light into the world and not add to the darkness. So I'm currently um, drafting a high fantasy (laughs) upper young adult novel that has themes of kind of fear and anxiety and depression and grief and guilt but it's set in a land that's covered in an unnatural darkness. It's not darkness the way we perceive it, but it doesn't seem to affect everything, but it affects the people. And the people in this land have been sold the lie 
that in order to survive the darkness, they have to kill the light. <laughs> so that's kind of what I'm working on. And it's, it's interesting because there's world building in it, but it's difficult because I'm describing something you can't see very well. Mm. So my, I would say that it's very character driven, um, different perspectives through it. And right now it's just, it's just a fun ride and I'm enjoying it and I am trying to just push through. Yeah. <laughs> and see where it goes and hope that this does come to see the light of day one day. I hope so too. Cause I want to read it now. <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> I've already signed up for beta reading. So <laughs> I love that. How far are you in this draft? I'm at the boat. I would say almost approaching the halfway mark. And, and it's kind of the same, like it's a new experience for me writing something so long. Mm-hmm. I've done short stories. I did those in high school and I loved them, but never a novel. And I feel like that just takes so much commitment yeah. to push through and just like, okay, where am I going from here? Mm-hmm. But it's just been fun to kind of like have these characters just pop up out of nowhere and to think, do I want to pursue them? Do I want to add them in? How could they be different? And anyways, I'm, I'm really enjoying the process of that. Did you want to at all talk about stepping heavenward? Um, Cause I, that was a project that you worked on to clean up, right? Yeah. Um, it was a novel that I just heard about last year and my friend lent it to me and she said, this is really good. You need to read it. And I started getting into it and it's very like old English, like (laughs) kind of hard to read at first Uh, and like the punctuation and it just kind of threw me for a loop. But once I started getting into it, I just got this really rich story of a girl who like hundreds of years ago, pretty much dealt with the same things that I deal with today. And I thought it was very, very meaningful. I've spoken to a lot of women who have loved that story. So in my research of trying to buy myself a good copy of this book, I just like kept hitting duds (laughs) that were formatted really badly and just not even readable. So I thought, okay, this is something that I can do. It's public domain. I can take it and I can put it in a pretty package make it affordable so that um, people can can get it and I can preserve a little piece of history in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love that. When I saw that, I'm like, that's so intriguing. Like, I just love yeah. that. And the possibilities are endless because once your mind starts going there, you're like, oh, well, what about this book? And then right. <laughs> right. I didn't even know you could do that. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I would never have thought of that, but it makes sense if it's in the public domain. Just... Yeah. And then lastly, um, are there any things that you're recently excited about in your writing or about what you're reading or things that are sparking your curiosity or your interest? Uh, anything that you'd like to talk about? I am really enjoying writing short stories right now for the flash fiction every Friday. Mm-hmm. It's a chance to just explore different voices and points of view. And also I'm kind of really intentionally trying to draw these stories from a personal experience not necessarily that I have experienced all these things, but like in my most recent one, I said it in the hoodoos. We had just visited there and we did find rattlesnakes. <laughs> oh. Several of them. <laughs> so we thought this is wow. perfect jumping off point for this story. <laughs> and I just read that one this morning and I loved it so much. So way to go. You're on a roll with all your short plastics. <laughs> It's a really good exercise and it's kind of broadening my creative abilities. And I'm really, really thankful, Emily, that you started that prompt. Yeah, I'm thankful that um, I actually have found the courage to start writing stuff for it. But like that does thrill me right now. <laughs> and now I want to read the rattlesnake one. Like, right after oh, you get need to go it. read it. Yeah, good. I will. Well, I would have never guessed that you're struggling to find the courage to share because your work is fabulous and all of the things that you've been sharing lately I've really just really enjoyed thank you thank you so much and I know that it's super vulnerable but I have heard from someone else I thought it was really wise that our vulnerability actually helps our writing like it's yes. a good thing when we make ourselves so you know coarse to like other people's responses or rejections mm-hmm. that we're like we've built this wall that our writing can't be as emotive it can't be as vulnerable so I think that's probably always going to be a part of us because it's, you know, it is vulnerable to share 
our deepest <laughs> longings or thoughts or whatever in this, even in a fantasy world. But yeah, so keep going, even if you feel vulnerable, that's good. Yes, indeed. I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for joining us, Andrea. This has been a delight to talk to you and thank you for participating in the contest. I'm so glad that you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're welcome and I am too. I look forward to lots more flash fiction from you. Yeah. Oh, I've set the bar. Okay. (laughs) No. I will say after like, what? I mean, I guess I didn't start quite two years ago doing it. I think I was a few months after you started it. But I've done it for over a year now. And there are weeks that are good and weeks that aren't. And like you just kind of have to power through and just keep showing up and and experimenting. And, And I think even those weeks that that I don't feel as good about my piece or that are harder to do. Like I still learn so much from, from mm-hmm. just showing up and doing it. So we now have Kevin King with us and we are super excited to talk with Kevin. Kevin, it was our grand prize winner for the contest. He won first place for his story and you all are going to get to hear his story and then we're going to talk about it. So Kevin, do you want to share with us your story and read it to us? Sure. The sound could be heard for miles. The sharp crack of gunshots echoed through the desert air, the carousing of drunken soldiers celebrating the annihilation of my people. The glow on the horizon had dimmed to a dull red mirror of the flames that burned my heart. The fighting had ended hours ago, almost as soon as it began. What could be left of my hometown that would feed enough flame to produce even that much light? Maybe they were burning the bodies burning my family. My own small fire burned low, casting flickering light on the pile of delicate white flowers I'd collected through the night. I squeezed my eyes shut and drank deep from my canteen, trying to wash away the haunting images painted in my head by those sounds. My fingers trembled as I pressed the canteen down into the spring. I held it there, letting the warm water wash over my hand while warmer memories washed over my mind. The yearly gathering at this holy place celebrating the source of life, refreshed my soul as its waters refreshed my body. The singing and dancing, the bright ribbons, the sweets made from cactus pulp and desert honey, the white star flowers that could only be handled with gloves, kept a safe distance from the life-giving water, beautiful symbols of death to garnish the celebration of life. I screwed the lid down tight and set the canteen aside before pulling on heavy gloves. Scooping up a double fistful of flowers, I squeezed until the juices ran down my gloves and dripped into the bubbling water, mingled with tears. I pressed the deadly blossoms down into that life source, into the beating heart that pumped life to my home. The water swirled, sucked into pipes toward the well at the center of my hometown, my heart. Soldiers, dehydrated from alcohol and the hot work of burning my life to the ground, would draw from that well. By morning, tainted water had quenched all sounds of celebration. My heart lay at rest. The silence could be heard for miles. So good. (laughs) Thank you. It's so great to like hear a writer read their own work. I think you get just like a whole nother take on it. But I, I really love, some of the things that I love about this piece are the visceral language of it. Like you have such visceral word choices that just really make us feel the piece and feel like the like I felt like I can feel the warm water over my hand and I can feel this the, mm-hmm. or hear the sounds and it's just very very visceral um but my favorite thing about this is the way that you plant these little clues and like we get everything that we need in order to make a guess but without actually being able to make the like we don't get so much information that we know is coming and it becomes predictable I like, like, I just really love that when we get to the end, you're like, oh yeah, it's all there. Like we see all the pieces of where it's going to end, um, ahead of time, but I had no idea it was going to end up there. And, and I think that that's a really, really fascinating skill and, and difficult skill. I, I think it's a skill mystery writers do really well or tend to do really well, where you get to the end and you're like, oh yeah, I, I should have seen that. Like all the pieces are there already. It's laid out. It's inevitable. And yet it's still so surprising. And it's something that I have struggled with my own writing. So I'm like super impressed when someone else can do it well. Um, and the misdirect too, because I feel like you lay out these pieces that at one point in the story, I thought like, 
oh yeah, okay. I know what he's going to do. He's going to poison, like he's going to commit suicide. And, and then that's not at all what he does. And and it's just like, oh, like you think you can predict it. And like, that is just a wonderful feeling as a reader to, to be surprised that way, to be engaged enough to make guesses and then to be surprised when those guesses end up not quite right. And the funny thing is I didn't even intend that misdirect. (laughs) It just, it just happened because I was trying to, to put in clues along the way just enough you know to kind of get there but I had so many details I was trying to get into those few words well and you do like you pack a lot in these few words it's really rich I like that you use the landscape or what he's doing to reflect his feelings and emotions and like I get that he's upset without you saying he's upset (laughs) he's grieving like you get all of the rage and from the fire burning and um, I don't know. I just really love how that plays two parts there. You know, like you use one sentence to explain two different things, like feelings right. and also what's literally happening. And I think that's really smart in a flash piece because you don't have very many words to use. And yeah. Right. So yeah, the, the literal setting does double duty for the ex- reflecting the feelings of the character. Yeah. Absolutely. And that first paragraph, I, reading it, it just sets you down in that world and you get not only the setting, but it also is telling you what has happened at the same time. It does such a great job of making you feel like Bethany was saying grounded in that perspective. You you not only get the perspective of the character though, you get a the feeling of the heat and the feeling of looking and seeing the fire and the smoke. And I just, I love how present it is how grounded in the moment, even just the horror of it, it almost gives a feeling of kind of still grappling with the shock of seeing that type of horror. And Mm -hmm. like by the time he gets to, or she, to the bodies, it's so subtle in its emotion, but you, you get all the feeling behind that of what that would do to a person. Mm -hmm. I loved that. And then also like things like the sharp crack when the transitions between like the fire to the protagonist fire and there's there's so many little moments that just one thing then leads to the other the the water that then like takes him back into the moments with in the past and then that brings it to the future I loved all of those little things that kind of played around in there that's right. I hadn't even really noticed that, Laura, but you're right. Those transitions between present and past and what's happening and what happened already are really good. Something that stood out for me this time, I really, um, I love how your first line and your last line mirror each other. And I hadn't really noticed, honestly, until I heard you read it, that you have all these other subtle mirroring moments, like the warm water and the warm memory, like the memories. And um, there was another one I noticed too. Like there's just these lines where you you say one thing is like this other thing this is like are kind of just mirroring mm-hmm. these different um things that and i just love that i really love it it's so good yeah that was a big part of the editing process was going back and saying okay you know i, I want the theme of it it only has one theme one or two little things and if i can work those in to different areas of the writing into the scenery into the emotion into the you know the idea of the heart and the life source and those things it it made it feel so poetic like that poetry kind of running ribbons through it and actually when i first started writing the first thing i wrote was poetry as a teenager (laughs) yeah i love that and that i think that really helps to be because good poetry condenses an idea into few words which is exactly what you're trying to do in flash fiction and to use that rich language to bring out more meaning with fewer words that's so great now kevin do you normally is this the same genre that you typically write in um or can you kind of tell us a little bit about how this piece compares to what you normally write um yes and no it has some similarities normally what i write fantasy so this piece is not explicitly fantasy but then again it could be in a fantasy world and just doesn't happen to have any of those elements in this part of the story so technically it could be i think the similarities would be that i really like to put my characters through the ringer 
I think the the harder the characters have it, the more invested the reader gets in the solution. That's a really interesting point. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I often think about like the more you can create tension and conflict and the more it pulls the reader in, but it's kind of just another angle of going at it from that same idea. Like, yeah, you get more invested and there's lots of problems to have to solve. <laughs> right. It It's more personal if the, you know, the, the tension and the conflict is, is very personal to the character. And if the reader's yeah. connected to that character, then they connect more personally to the conflict. That's a really great point. And then, um, just another question about the contest itself and how was that experience for you? What was the hardest part of the experience in doing this contest um, or the best part of the experience in doing the contest? Yeah, what did you take away from it? Well, the hardest part was was the word limit. And that, yeah. that was, that was <laughs> okay, a tight I, word limit. Can I just say that Emily wanted the word limit to be even less? Oh. <laughs> I had to insert it. I was like, let's do 100 words. And Bethany's like, no. no 200 <laughs> is my <laughs> school. It's like, fine. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that was definitely the hardest part. But the best part, I think, was the word limit. <laughs> Because it really forced me to focus and choose the absolute best words for every sentence. You know, it it really kept me from being lazy. So, yeah, I think that was both the the hardest and the best part, which often happens in writing for me. (laughs) Maybe that's why I put my character through such a hard time, because that's also the best part. (laughs) And definitely every word worked for you. Like you can tell it was all doing that heavy lifting. That's fantastic. Do you want to talk about some of your current work? Um, I know in February of this year, your de- is it your debut? Yes. Um, YA Adventure, uh, Fantasy Adventure, Song of the Adwell was released. Could you tell us about that and about anything you might be working on? Sure. So Song of the Adwell is not just my debut novel it was kind of the story that started me writing stories i actually got the idea almost 30 years ago yeah i had a job where i had downtime where i was just kind of sitting and daydreaming and i I couldn't leave i couldn't do anything else so i just let my imagination run with stories and i came up with this concept and the base the core of what i started with and this this process worked for me in the flash fiction also. I came up with one core idea, the question of what if there was a group of people who were cursed, but that curse, something, some side effect of that curse actually turned out to give them the power to overcome in the end. Mm-hmm. Like the curse itself is what saves them. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of did what I've heard called the snowflake method. I, I didn't know any methods then. It's just what I did was I took that idea and I just kind of branched it out in all directions. What would that look like? Um, what kind of power might somebody have or what kind of curse would, would be a curse, but also a benefit? How would that work? And so I came up with the idea of everybody else in this world has the potential for a powerful magic a powerful physical magic that makes them super strong fighters. They, not everybody can do it because it takes a lot of training, but mm-hmm. it's possible for everybody except this group. The, the curse blocks them from being able to use this power. Mm-hmm. But as a side effect, they've developed their own power, which is the ability to create illusions. And they do it by singing. And they don't think much of it. They live as servants and they use their power just as entertainment to put on shows for the royalty. But, of course, the past comes back with a vengeance and wreaks havoc, and they're the ones that have to come through at the end to to stop it and to save the kingdom. So that was the, the debut novel. And then my current work that I'm working on now came from some feedback from an early reader. One of her feedback points was, well, these people just, you know, these characters just suddenly come up with this power and I don't know where it's all coming from. Where do they get this power? Where's this magic coming from? And I interpreted that to mean she wants to know the backstory Hmm. of this magic system that I made up. And so I started working on a backstory. Of course, there was already potential for that because of the curse. And you get just a little 
little flashback just to the the moment when it happens in this book in the finished book but you don't know the full story so i should write that so now i'm writing a prequel that tells that whole story and the funny thing is it turns out what she was actually saying was i didn't foreshadow it enough <laughs> in that version these characters just suddenly have this strong magical power and you don't see it coming and it 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 was not foreshadowed enough to make it seem legitimate in the story and so i fixed that in later versions but my initial misunderstanding led me to decide to write a, a prequel i love that <laughs> because ideas come from everywhere and they spark from different things you, you interact with i love that that's fantastic that's so interesting well and that's what you're so good at this flash fiction piece is that foreshadowing of the ending you're like setting up the ending so it's believable that's funny right and and just like in in the novel after I, well, I started it with no clue what I was doing. And I was just kind of throwing in everything I thought of. And of course, the first versions were terrible. And I had to cut out most of it. But all of that kind of stayed in the back of my mind as world building. Yeah. And so, and I rewrote the opening chapter probably 10 times after I finished the rest of the novel to get the opening right. And I did the same thing with this flash fiction piece. I started it without a clear idea of where it was going to end. And then after I got to the end, I went back and rewrote the beginning to put in those crumbs leading up to it. That makes me think of, um, Neil Ga I know you know this, Laura, but Neil Gaiman has a, in his masterclass, he talks about how the second draft is when you make it look like you knew what you were doing all along. <laughs> right. You go back and plant all those things. <laughs> yeah. And it's fantastic advice as well, but we don't have to have all the answers up front. We don't have to know where it all is going to go. Like it's part of the process to get the answers as we do the actual writing. And I just, I think that's great. Right. And one of the things that um, I get compliments on from people who read the finished novel is on the characters and how they love all the characters. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do that in the early drafts because I didn't know the characters well enough yet. Sure. I had to get to know them in the process of writing them. So then I could go back and make them more themselves from the beginning. Yeah. Yes. This is kind of connected to that idea. Um, but where are you kind of finding sparks within your writing life or your story, reading stories or watching stories? Like what is kind of sparking your curiosity and your interest at this point? Currently, I'm actually overly swamped with other things. I have, <laughs> I have a, you know, a, office job 40 hours a week i have a wife and a puppy and mm -hmm. i have three different things i'm volunteering for and i just but in my just my moments of downtime i had little things like my sister gifted me a couple of novels that she found that she thought oh kevin will love these and just send them to me so i'm reading those now and they're beautifully written very poetic i love it but mostly what works for me is just to give myself alone time to daydream. Just like mm -hmm. when I came up with the story initially, I need that time to just let my imagination run. So I feed it first with reading and then I let it digest kind of on its own. Do you want to share um, what those books are or your favorite of the three that your sister sent or? Well, she sent me two. It's a, a duology okay. by Sean Russell. Okay, um, I don't know. The Initiate Brother and Gatherer of Clouds. They're like, I think they were early 80s. These are old oh. fantasy. And that comes across in the writing. You sure. know, 80s fantasy novels, there's going to be some cliches. Yeah. He obviously took kind of a mishmash of Japanese and Chinese culture to make his fantasy culture. It's so sure. like, there's no unique elements in it. He just he totally took it from real world things. But he did it so well and so beautifully that um, even though by his name, I don't think he's actually from either of those cultures, I think he, I think he treated it well. Um, he made it very beautiful and honorable. And so, I mean, and he incorporated poetry into it. Yeah. Like the characters write poetry and there's a little snippet of poem at the beginning of every chapter, which makes it a little bit slower pace, which sure. modern fantasy readers don't tend to gravitate toward, but I love it. I grew yeah. up on that stuff and so it's just I really like when there's 
poems worked into novels. Emily did that in her <laughs> last one. <laughs> yeah, the one I'm quoting right now, I have poetry from the male's perspective. I also think it's really fascinating to read um, books in your genre from other time periods and to kind of mm -hmm. see the way that those trends change. And I don't know, it's, it's also kind of encouraging too, especially when you're querying and getting a bunch of rejections and you're like, what is wrong? And it's kind of a good reminder that like sometimes what's wrong is not really wrong. It's just not what's in style right now. Or, you know, maybe mm -hmm. it'll come back, maybe query a couple more years and it'll come back around. Trends will change uh -huh. by then. Yeah. Or sometimes it's just particular publishers or, yeah, or particular yeah. agents are looking for certain things that yours don't have, but somebody else might be looking for exactly what you have. So you yeah. never know. So true. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. It was a delight to read your story. I'm so glad that you participated and thank you for joining us. It was really fun to talk to you. Thank you. This was great. Thank you again for sharing your work. It's a beautiful story. So now go write a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> I know I want to know more of this one. <laughs> but now I want to actually read the the fantasy adventure because I'm like I'm there for it. So. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Right. My plan is complete. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>